Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's nice to be with you on this holiday Sunday. This is, this is uh, All Saints Sunday. And, and the one who really thanks you is my wife, who's not here today. But as, as uh, uh, Pastor Aaron uh, explained, I retired. Last Sunday was my last Sunday of full-time active ministry. So I've been home all week long. And my, <laughs> my wife just wanted to get me out of the house today, you know. So she thanks you uh, a lot. We come together today to, to share this particular holiday. It, it's your holiday. It's, we know of all saints. Later in the service, there will be a reading of names of those saints who passed away, a, a chiming of bells for the community to hear and for this community to hear. And so we gather to celebrate that. But it's important to realize that All Saints Day was never just about the departed saints, but it was used for that purpose I've gone back, I've read this Bible thing uh, that we look at. I've read that once or twice through the last 30 years. And, and, you know, I haven't seen anything in there where Jesus recognized an All Saints Day. I even took out one of those Bibles with the red print just to be sure that I didn't miss anything, you know. And nothing about All Saints Day. Well, lo and behold, and this is, I'm not a computer or techno guy, but you turn them on and you punch stuff in and it comes up. That's all I know. Beyond that... I miss my secretary. I really want her back. Anyway, All Saints Day was contrived during the Middle Ages, but it's significant to us as Lutherans because it helps us date the beginning of the Reformation, so to speak. All Saints Day came up as a day on November 1st, and, and uh, of course we missed that because it was, it was uh, uh, what, Thursday or Friday last week, and Friday last week, and you know, we can't go to church on Friday. Good heavens. We have, we have football games on Friday night. Get with it, God. Come on here. So we, we just move it to Sunday and that's it. But back in the time of Luther, the church loved it because they would contrive these saints' days. And the beauty of the saints' day was they were holy days of obligation. You had to go to church. And if you had to go to church, they had to pass the collection plate. You seeing the beauty of this now? Well, anyway, the Reformation formed, of course, Luther, at least in, in legend, if not in fact, posted his 95 theses, his 95 points of discussion on the door at the Castle Church in Wittenberg. Uh, not Ohio, it's Germany, there's another one. And, and it was to be there for people to read because he knew everybody would be in, in church the next day. And if you couldn't read, that's fine because somebody could in the group. And so you could, you could share that. That was a, a way of sharing common, uh, common announcements in Luther's day. We don't have that today. So we come together today. But we still celebrate this All Saints Day. And as, as Lutherans, we have you know, those special days in the hymnal. You don't even know where to find them, do you? I'm not even sure. Are they in the red hymnal like they used to be in the green? They're still there? Yeah. See, nobody knows. He doesn't know. He's just kidding. <laughs> but the question that comes out of this is, what's a saint? We're celebrating All Saints Day, and hey, we're saints. What are saints? I don't know if it's like a Buckeye or not. It depends where you grow up, I guess. But anyway, a saint, according to Webster, is a holy person. You starting to feel a little uneasy? A person who is exceptionally patient, charitable, I understand you're in the midst of a stewardship campaign, and lives a holy life. Wow, that's a lot. 
so I kind of went back and I, I looked at, at my Bible again. And I didn't see that. In my Bible, I saw that a saint was simply one who believed that Christ was the Messiah. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't really use the word at all. Paul did. Paul liked the word, and he would remind people that they were called to be saints. And I think that's sort of where we are. We look at these things. Who were the saints? They were the assembly. In, in, in the large catechism, you don't read that one either. That was something Luther wrote just for pastors, believe it or not. But in the large catechism, he goes on to explain this as he explains the third article, that it's not really about the communion of saints. It's about the community of saints. And through the years, we've misused that word. And yes, we do commune. We do share the Eucharist later today, the Lord's Supper. But, but it's because we share it. It's because we're gathered as community that makes it important. So the communion or the community of saints is the assembly of believers. That's why we come together to support each other and to strengthen each other and to to remind each other of the true gospel message that indeed we don't deserve to be saints. That's easy to understand. You think about the saints. We all have a bunch of saints. We We know about St. Christopher. Every one of you who has a teenager, the Catholic comes out at that time, doesn't it? You get one of those little St. Christopher statues and put it on a dashboard, don't you? You want them to think. All right. We all have uh, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. You know, the, the, the saint of, of, I think it's animals, but you know, I had somebody tell me once it was the saint of, uh, of landscape architects. I never really understood that, but kind of fit in there. We have St. Patrick. Everybody knows St. Patrick from Ireland. Anybody here Irish? Right. St. Patrick. Saint of green beer, right? Isn't that it? That's how you do that. That's the, the sainthood. But we have other saints as well. We have, we have these saints that, that, that we do recognize, and particularly as Lutherans we recognize. We recognize St. Paul. We like St. Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. We like, we like St. Peter. I love St. Peter, don't you? He was so human. A fisherman of all things. I'm retired. I really, I really like St. Peter. St. Peter and St. Paul to be called and St. Paul, the church. But when we look at them, then we come to understand true sainthood, why we celebrate this day, because we don't qualify None of us make driving any safer by sitting on the dashboard. It might confuse things a little. Certainly we're not going to stand out in the garden all winter holding a plate of bird seed up. We might drink a little green beer, but that's, that's another thing. But St. Peter and St. Paul, we do like. And we think of all those wonderful things and all those healings. But why do we have saints? God chose the saints those revered people to take his word to the world. That word, Jesus Christ, that says our sins are forgiven not by what we do, lest we should boast, but simply that we receive God into our own hearts. You know, and we mess that up because we've then, in modern Christendom, we've made faith a me issue. Well, I've become faithful, Pastor. I found the Lord. I got news. The Lord's not the one who's been lost, you know? And I didn't come to faith. Christ revealed himself to me. Oh, now I feel humble, almost sad. Don't. 
Look at our examples, Peter and Paul. My goodness gracious, St. Peter, who argued with the Lord about which side of the boat from which he was going to fish, right? St. Peter, who after he started following Jesus, gets in a fight in the middle of the garden, whacks some guy's ear off, and the Lord covers his back by hooking the ear back on. And then just a few hours later, what does Peter do? Peter denies this man three times. Oh, St. Paul's great. He wrote all those books in the New Testament. My goodness, he wrote that letter to Rome and to, to, the, to Corinthians, and he wrote Ephesus and, and Philippi, and he had his buddy Timmy and all those people. We forget that St. Paul was a Pharisee. He was one of the greatest persecutors of early Christendom. He actually stood there. This is in the book of Acts. That's a, that's a good read someday if you're, you know, don't want to read something. The book of Acts. He stood there and held the coats while people stoned Stephen to death, the first martyr. And yet God called Paul. It's amazing. When we look at those in Scripture whom God called, what we see is My goodness, they were human, they were frail, they were broken. And yet God called them and gave them the enviable opportunity to take his word to the world. You know the Great Commission? We're to go to all nations. And we're to baptize and we're to teach and we're to make disciples. Sometimes we confuse that because we do feel a little bit of pride. Pride's a sin. Ah, we're forgiven, but we feel that pride. Sometimes we take it too seriously. And so when we go out to make disciples, we go up to people and we say, you straighten up, sinner! Bad, bad, bad! But come to Jesus because he loves you! It's not about that. No, it's Jesus loves you. And when we can grasp that, when we can fully embody that and hold that, that Jesus loves us, then lives change. Lives change. One of, the, one of the great things Luther did when he was teaching this, when he was coming to this realization of, of what the gospel truly had to say, he was teaching a course, and he was telling his students that repentance had, had nothing to do with the things they did. It was about the change of heart that recognized who God was and that God was with them and loved them. And one of his students says, wait a minute, wait a minute, that can't be right. You mean I can go out and I could, I could, I could gamble, I could, I could get drunk, I could run with those kind of women? And Luther says, yes. And the guy was just dumbfounded and Luther turned to him and he said, let me ask you a question. If you truly believe that God loves you, why would you want to do those things? We're broken. We're human. Paul wrote to the Romans about that, understanding how broken, how human they were. So on this day, we celebrate our sainthood, those who are fallible but made pure by the blood of Christ that lets us stand before the Holy Father as pure and clean and holy. And, and it is our job, our, our call, to take the word and the gospel to the world, you see, to make disciples. And how do we do that? Again, not by wagging a finger at them and not by judging them, but helping them see how much they're loved. Uh, 
to forgive others, to turn the other cheek, to love the unlovable. That's how we do it. So people see our lives and wonder where this came from. We come together in church. We come together as community. And as community, we strengthen each other in this. I'm going to use a dirty word here. So if you have children, you might want to cover their ears. We call that stewardship. Four T's. Time, talent, treasures. And I've added a fourth T. It's called the tithe. I know, another dirty word. My goodness, where'd you get this guy? But the tithe is important to us because it really speaks to us. It shows us our, it's like a litmus. It says, look at your life and see who or what's first. Jesus said that where your treasures are, your heart will be also. He wasn't just talking about our dollars. He was, to some degree, yeah, but I don't think he had, you know, the standard and poor's back then. But when we look at all that we have and realize, oh, wait a minute, all that we have. Well, yes, Pastor, and I work hard. I put in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and I do this, and I have. We're missing a word here. And that word is God who gives us everything we have. The ability to work 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And to what end? Well, that we can spend it on ourselves. Oh. You see, there's where the tithe is so important. And I think of a tithe as first fruits giving. I see this as true witness. I see this as a part of the call to be a saint, that I recognize that everything, everything in my life is a gift from God. And by tithing, by giving back to God first, we're doing a couple of things. Number one, we're saying, first of all, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for so much. And then we're saying to God and to ourselves, you know, I trust you. I trust you. And if I don't give to you first, then I'm giving leftovers. And how can I give you leftovers when you've provided this? Can't I trust that you will provide that my, here's the trick, my needs are provided? Maybe not all my wants, but my needs certainly are, and my wants, quite frankly, could and should be. So we give first. Now, what's that mean to us as a congregation, as to individuals, as to the community? It means we, we do, and the Bible picks a percentage. Yeah, whether you like it or not, the Bible, the Old Testament percentage is 10%. Pick what you want. Could be 10, could be 5, could be 2, could be 20. Honest to goodness, I had an an, uh, anesthesiologist come to me one time who was fairly new to Christ. This was a couple months after I baptized him. He came, he said, Pastor, I'm having this problem. Oh, my goodness, what, somebody died on the table or something, you know. And he came into the office, and he sat down. And this was a man close to tears. He says, I don't know how much I should give to the church. Oh. Wouldn't you like that, Aaron? Huh? There you go. And he sat down. He said, no, I'm serious. And, And he... he shared his income with me. And then he gave me smelling salts. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, I said, please don't give us 10% because we'll be too dependent on you. Let's talk in terms of another percent and find other ways to use your money. 
so that it totals 10%. Some of us don't have that luxury, and so our percentage goes to and through the church. My wife and I tithe. I'm proud of that. I know that's arrogant. I'm sorry, but we weren't, didn't always tithe because you have debts. I mean, my goodness, you have new homes, you have cars, you have cell phones, you have computers, you have children, you have college, you have retirement to put back for. Lord, there's nothing left. You know that. Oh, wait a minute. You know how much I make, don't you? And you know how much I spend on everything, don't you, Lord? Maybe if I put you first, these other things will fall into line. So pick a percentage. I don't care what it is. Do the math and pick a percentage of your income to dedicate to God. And if you can't make it at this point, recognize that you can grow to that point. You may start with 2 or 3%. Challenge yourself to grow. You are part of Christ's church on earth. There is no other hope for the world but Jesus Christ. There is none. I hope you believe that. Do the same thing with your time. Mike, Mike talked earlier about finding people to run for church council. He, he did better math than I. I can't count that high. I got to 168 hours a week and figured that was enough. Do we give 10%? We don't come close to 10%. We don't ever do that. But what do we give? But do we give it first? Do we start each day with a devotion? Do we start each day with a prayer? We start each Sunday with worship. That's wonderful. That's glorious. But remember the prophet Micah? God spoke through Micah and he said, you know, really what I want for worship, I want you to love justice or love kindness, do justice and walk humbly with your God. I want you to be a witness to the world that you know you are loved by your God. Part of that witness is saying, I recognize all that I have and all that is is a gift from that God. Even our children. Our children are special gifts. Martin Luther said, God didn't give us our children for us just to do with as we would. He gave us our children that we might raise them to the glory of Christ and that we might be an example for them. Had a guy come into my office last year going on a camping trip. He said, Pastor, I need a devotion. We're going to be out in the middle of some place, but I want something we can use every day. Wow. He's president of the congregation now. You understand that. So be careful. Uh, My point being, this is All Saints Day. We need not look any further than to the person next to you, in front of you, behind you, to see the saints in the kingdom today as we give thanks to the saints that preceded us because those saints were no better than we. But as saints, we are called to witness, and that means witness in our total capacity, time, talents, and treasures. How important is the kingdom of God and its proclamation to me? Just a question. That's all I'm asking. No judge. Don't want to see your financial returns, your taxes, or your pledge card. But please think about that your whole life. Those of you who are young parents, you're going to have a tougher time because you don't have the expendable income. Involve your children in discussing what it means to give to the church. If they make some money, if they have an allowance, teach them 
that it comes from God, not just you. You might even suggest after they get it from the tooth fairy that God sent the tooth fairy. You won't go to hell for that, I promise. (laughs) And so we return a portion. The truth is, we need to return all of ourselves and give thanks for that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior we have who recognizes we're human and frail and broken and has died for us and brings us glory anyway. Amen.